What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another exciting edition of the GBI Show. That's right, it's Gridiron Betting Insights here on ATS. Jay Sannon, your host, as always, taking you through tonight the Week 6 NFL slate. Of course, we'll get into Thursday Night Football, the Bucks and the Eagles getting after it. We will talk about the other games on the schedule as well. 14 games. We finally have some bye weeks, which means we can let the games breathe a little bit, talk about them at length here on the GBI show. Of course, if you are watching live, we appreciate you. Not quite as much as Urban Meyer surely appreciates John Gruden this week. Talk about bailout there for Urban Meyer. But we do appreciate you. Nonetheless, glad to have you here. If you are with us live, you can chat with us. We got the chat box rolling. You can do that on Twitter and YouTube. Of course, if you're listening on demand, either on YouTube, Twitter, or the podcast feed, subscribe to the ATS.io podcast feed. By the way, you can get all these shows in audio form, which allows you to get the same great betting information, the same great gridiron betting insights you've come to expect without having to look at this face. And as a, from what I've heard, a huge plus. But either way, no matter how you're checking out the show, we certainly appreciate it. So let's get into it here, folks. We will start out with Thursday Night Football. We are talking about the Bucks and the Eagles. The Buccaneers, a six and a half, seven point road favorite, depending on where you shop. Total 52 and a half. And it's an interesting game, right? Because before last week, you would have said, okay, the Bucs are going to roll in this game. And the Bucs rolled Miami in their game last week on Sunday. However, you look at the way the Eagles played last week, and all of a sudden now it's, oh, well, you know, is Tom Brady the square play? Do the Eagles have some life as a dog? And they very well might coming into this game. Of course, the Eagles last week down by quite a bit against the Carolina Panthers, but they came back in the second half. They looked real good in that second half to fight their way back into that game. They do just enough to pick up the win against a strong Carolina defense on the road. You give them credit for that. The question is, can they carry it over now back at home? And there are some data points that suggest that they might be able to do so. First of all, you look at the way the Philadelphia Eagles like to move the ball. They like to do it with the running game. They are one of the best teams in the league at running the football, averaging 5.2 yards per carry this season. The issue there, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense Their strength is stopping the run. They give up just under three yards per carry on the defensive side due to the Buccaneers. That's going to cause a little bit of an issue for the Eagles. However, you have some injuries that do favor the Philadelphia Eagles in this game. Gronk, you got Antoine Winfield, you got Levante David all out for the Buccaneers in this game. Injuries for the Eagles as well, certainly. Lane Johnson is big a loss as you can take on that Eagles team. And of course, Dallas Goddard going to be out as well. But you look at these teams and statistically, they are pretty evenly matched in terms of their per play averages. The Buccaneers gaining just 0.2 yards per play more than the Philadelphia Eagles so far this season. The Eagles allowing fewer yards per play than the Bucs. It's pretty evenly matched as far as these two teams are concerned. The scoring certainly favors the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's a product of red zone execution. Of course, Tom Brady always going to be better at that than Jalen Hurts. But this is a game where if the Eagles on a small sample size of one game here, if they can get the ball into the end zone a few times in those red zone opportunities, well, they could very well not only cover the spread, 
but win this game outright. Of course, everybody talking about the data point suggesting that Tom Brady and his teams tend to struggle in these primetime games in terms of covering the spread. And yes, it's been an ugly list of games where they haven't. And of course, you look back last year, they did play a road Thursday night football game, played it against the Chicago Bears team that was also struggling to put points on the board. But the Bears managed to stop Tampa Bay over and over again and win that game outright. We could very well see the same thing here. It's a no play for me. I mean, at seven, yes, the logic would suggest the Eagles are a good play at home on a short week. But it's one of those games where you get down 14 points and the team you're down to has Tom Brady and you have Jalen Hurts, the guy who they benched for Nate Sudfeld in week 17. The whole franchise should be in Guantanamo Bay. You knew I wasn't going to not get that in during a Thursday night football preview featuring the Eagles. Lock them up. Hashtag lock them up. You don't want to be on the wrong side of that situation of Tom Brady being up 14 on your team that you need to cover a seven and oh maybe Jalen Hurts will come back on him. It's a no play for me. The logic would suggest the Eagles, but you still have Tom Brady on the other side. You still have one of the most explosive offenses in the league this season in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the other side. It is one I will happily stay away from, but I think we could very well get a better game than is being expected by a lot of people heading into this one. So that's Thursday Night Football. Should be an interesting one. Now let's move to the Sunday slate. And of course, again, a couple fewer games on the Sunday slate than normal. Don't be alarmed. We will still give them all the time and attention that they deserve. We will start with an all-Floridian matchup in the AFC. We're talking about the Miami Dolphins taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Over-under in that game, 47. Dolphins a three-point favorite on the road. Of course, the Jaguars... We'll see how they react to this John Gruden news, too. Now, their coach isn't the one under the microscope, which was interesting to begin with. The way we talked about that whole Urban Meyer thing was so weird. I mean, it seemed like everybody was a willing participant. It seems like an issue between husband and wife more than coach and team. I, I don't think Miles Jack is going to be affected if the Meyer family is no longer together at the end of all of this. But whatever, that's how we discuss these things in NFL media. But I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars have a chance in this game. Now, Tua Tonga-Vailoa might come back for this game for the Dolphins. Xavier Howard, however, questionable for the Dolphins. One of the better all-around defensive players in the league. Not just one of the best corners in the league. One of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, the Jags, their center Brendan Linder now on IR, worth mentioning as well. Now, Miami... Awful moving the ball this season. Second to last in the league in yards per play this year. But you have to remember, a lot of that came with Jacoby Brissett, quarterback. Brissett, one of the bottom three guys in the league this year in terms of yards per pass attempt. We should see their offensive numbers improve slightly with Tonga Vailoa back in the matchup. So it's a little hard to determine and judge kind of where this Miami team is going to be offensively heading into this game. But I think what we do know is that Trevor Lawrence is starting to improve a little bit at the quarterback position. You look at the last two weeks for Trevor Lawrence, he's thrown just one pick. Is that ideal? No, you'd like zero picks, of course. That's how football works. But you look at his first three weeks where he threw seven interceptions, and all of a sudden, ah, that one pick in two weeks doesn't seem so bad. Now the question is, can the Jaguars start getting into the win column? Again, that's an organizational thing. That's a whole roster issue, not a Trevor Lawrence issue. But I think the improvement of Trevor Lawrence combined with the running game in Jacksonville, they are second in the league in yards per carry this season, averaging 5.3 yards per attempt. 
as long as they're not down big in this game and they can actually use their running game, I think they've got a real shot here against the Miami Dolphins. This is a stinky game. I don't want anything to do with it, but I'm going out there and saying don't be surprised if the Jaguars are very competitive here and maybe win outright. It is entirely possible that they do that. Jaguars, by the way, heading into their bye week. Now, a very good game in the AFC on Sunday. The Chargers and the Ravens being held in Baltimore. Chargers two-and-a-half-point dogs on the road, total 52. And both of these teams had very exciting victories last week. Both of them at 4-1, and one, by the way. This is going to be a game that could very well start shaping the first-round bye conversation. I know it's very early for that. But as teams start to poke their heads out in front of the competition for those spots, this could be a game that has a lot to do with that as we look back later in the season. Now, the Chargers, of course, they won 47-42 against the Cleveland Browns last week, an incredible ball game, and one where they just simply had the ball late enough in the game where they were able to score without a lot of time left for Cleveland to reciprocate. And, of course, the Ravens, they went down big on Monday night, taking on the Indianapolis Colts. They come all the way back. They win that game in overtime. Lamar Jackson played out of his mind. And I've said some things about Lamar Jackson over the last couple of years, a certain word that begins with F. I believe it was fraud. And I will stick to that as far as the postseason is concerned. But I will say, in all fairness, he has been very good so far this season. He is averaging 9.1 yards per pass attempt, putting him in the top five among NFL quarterbacks in that category. Both of these defenses, however, not playing very well. You had the Ravens. I mean, they let Carson Wentz and that Colts offense throw the ball downfield against them, really march the ball up and down the yard in that Monday night game. And, of course, you give up 42 points. That is certainly problematic if you're the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers dead last in the league in rush defense per carry this year, giving up about five and a half yards per carry to their opponents. That doesn't bode well when you're facing a team with Lamar Jackson at quarterback because you know he can blow up those averages in a big way on his own, and then you still got to worry about the actual running game of the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, they had their big, long streak of consecutive games with a 100-yard rushing performance snapped last week. They worked so hard to maintain it. They ran a play on the last play against the Denver Broncos a couple of weeks ago to maintain that streak, and then ironically, the very next week, that streak completely went away. But I think this is a game where the running game of the Ravens is kind of going to dictate things. I would lean toward the Ravens slightly, but I also don't want to count out Justin Herbert. It's just a lean for me as of right now. Uh, Baltimore, again, putting up a ton of yardage on offense. They're second in the league in yards per play, but they're bottom five in yards allowed per play for their opponents. And I think that is where the issue is going to lie if they aren't going to win. But I think that offense is just too much right now. On the Ravens side of things, I would lean in their direction. Next up on Sunday, Vikings versus Panthers. Total 45.5 for this game. The Vikings, a 1.5 point favorite. The Vikings, man, they needed a last-second field goal, the very last second to beat the Detroit Lions last week. And, of course, the Panthers, they blew a big lead against the Philadelphia Eagles last Sunday. So this is a game featuring two teams that certainly did not live up to their expectations last week. One of them still got the victory. One of them did not. Now, this is an interesting game from a line perspective. You look at the line for this game, the Panthers were an early favorite. Number flipped through zero. The Vikings 
all of a sudden favored to win this game. And I'm not sure I see why. I think you look at the situation heading into this game. Carolina hosting consecutive home games. You look at the Vikings. They've played a few games in a row at home now. And they weren't super impressive in the last two of those games. Needing a last-second field goal to beat the Lions. And then you had the game against the Browns, which was just an absolutely disgusting offensive performance on both sides. But the Vikings were worse offensively than Cleveland, only scoring seven points in that game. Both of these teams kind of middle of the road in terms of their offenses, right? Darnold and Cousins, 21 and 22 in the league, respectively, in terms of their yards per pass attempt numbers. But the defense of Carolina, I think, is going to be the difference in this game. They are one of two defenses in the NFL this season, allowing under five yards per play. They're second in the league in that regard, and they are at home against a team that has struggled offensively over the last couple of weeks. Some big-time injuries, by the way, at play in this contest. Christian McCaffrey, he's deemed a 50-50 chance to play in this game. And then you have just a ton of guys questionable for the Minnesota Vikings. Cook, Thielen, Jefferson, Madison. And if Cook and Madison are both out, that's a real issue for a Vikings team that is typically very good at running the ball. But if you don't have your top two backs, that means you're putting the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands on the road a lot more than you might want, which could be a real problem. It's a stay away from me because of the injury concerns on both sides, but I would lean toward the Panthers, especially now that you can get them as an underdog. Next up, we're going to stay with teams from the NFC North. Right now, we're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers, four-point favorites taking on the Chicago Bears, total of 44. Last week, the Packers needed overtime. There were missed field goals being traded back and forth between the Packers and the Bengals. Eventually, Mason Crosby made one to win that game. And meanwhile, the Chicago Bears went in and they beat the Las Vegas Raiders on the road in what turned out to be John Gruden's final game as the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, who we will get to later in the show. Now, the Packers this season, of course, their reputation is a great offense. Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball all over the field. Devontae Adams, an excellent receiver. And Adams has been incredible this season. Rodgers has been great, too. But you look at the statistical breakdown of this Packers team, and it's kind of a perception versus reality thing where the perception is they're a great offense that can move the ball at will. But the reality is they're 19th in the league in yards per play this season. They've struggled to protect Rodgers at times. The Bengals were getting pressure consistently on Rodgers, forcing him to make throws earlier than he wanted to. Sometimes it still worked out. I mean, he threw that fadeaway jumper to Randall Cobb in overtime to set up one of those game-winning kick attempts. But he also just was missing some guys that were open because he just didn't have the time to plant his foot and throw an accurate pass out there. That could very well be a problem again against the Chicago Bears team that can get after the quarterback on their day. Of course, the Bears terrible on offense so far this year, dead last in the league in yards per play on the season. Uh, it could get even worse for them. Jermaine Effetti, he's on IR. You have uh, Montgomery, the starting running back for the Bears, also on IR. Justin Fields is going to have to do a lot with a little. I don't have a side in this game. I don't really like either of these teams and the way they've played so far. I would lean toward the under 44 in this game. It's ticked down a little bit throughout the week. I think that this is a game where we could see both teams really struggle to find their footing offensively. Of course, having Aaron Rodgers will be a big advantage for the Packers in the long run in this game. But I do think that we are going to see both of these teams struggle on the offensive end. Justin Fields, by the way, only two quarterbacks this season worse than him in terms of his yards per attempt. 
Jacoby Brissett, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. That is not the company that you want to be in if you are the rookie out of Ohio State. But I am staying away from this game. I would lean toward the under myself. Now, speaking of teams you typically want to stay away from, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Detroit Lions, they have both had histories of struggling in the NFL. There's, there's no doubt about that, especially over the last decade or so. But the Bengals have gotten a lot better this season with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase as kind of their dynamic duo offensively, stretching the field vertically in a way that that offense hasn't seen since Carson Palmer was throwing deep balls to Chad Johnson before he changed his name to 8-5. They have been pretty good on the offensive side of the ball so far this season. They're also allowing over a yard per play less than the Lions on this season. Detroit ranking 31st in the league in yards per play allowed to their opponents so far this year. And I think this game is going to boil down to just the comparison you see when Joe Burrow is on the field compared to Jared Goff. Goff is a guy, by the way, who you looked at him and this Detroit team is talking about potentially cutting down their playbook to make things easier for him going forward, which speaks to how poorly it has gone for the Lions signal caller. I'd lean toward the Bengals here, taking a road team, laying above the key number of three. I'm not super keen on, but the Lions, I think they're in for a real hurting this week, especially with a lot of the injuries. Frank Ragnow on IR. you got a couple of receivers in Tyrell Williams and Quintez Cephas both uh, on IR as well. And then you have Swift and Hawkinson, both questionable for that team. And I just don't like Jared Goff either. It's a no play for me, but give me the Bengals if I absolutely had to make a decision on the game. Now we'll go from the Detroit Lions to a division that would be, I guess I'd say the Detroit Lions of football. That being the NF, the I'm sorry, the AFC South. Listen to me, the AFC South. The Texans and the Colts. The Texans, 10-point underdogs on the road, taking on the Colts, total 43 and a half. One of the few things I got right last week was that Davis Mills was going to be better at home than he was on the road when they played the Patriots. And the Texans covered the number. They led for most of the game. They did end up losing by a field goal, but they covered the eight and a half points against the New England Patriots last week. And Davis Mills, he looked pretty competent last week. Give him a lot of credit. He looked pretty decent last week against a New England defense that just a week before shut down Tom Brady for the majority of four quarters. Good for Davis Mills. It's terrible what they had to put him, they put him through so far there in Houston where, okay, you know, you're the backup. Well, guess what? Now you're the starter on the worst roster in the league. Good luck. I'm glad that he at least had his moment in the sun there, even if it wasn't in a win, that they finally looked competent, especially after that 40 to nothing beating that the Bills put on them the week prior. Uh, This is a game that I want no part of. I, you know, the Colts looked better than they had looked previously last week against the Ravens, but they completely fell apart in the end. And it's just the reality of the situation when Carson Wentz is your quarterback. He'll make some solid plays for you. He'll make some great plays. I mean, that touchdown pass to Pittman down the field was incredible last week. However, when you need him to make a play, I don't rely on him whatsoever to do that. Uh, Houston, the fourth worst offense in the league, gaining just five yards per play so far this season. So no thanks on them as a road team, as we saw with Davis Mills in his first two starts. Certainly no reason to back them. But I don't want to lay 10 points with Carson Wentz under any circumstances either. As a no play for me, both of these teams, by the way, 
have AFC, I'm sorry, NFC West opponents next week in the form of the Cardinals for Houston and the Niners for the Colts, both of those games on the road, which I think have the potential to get a little ugly. Speaking of NFC West opponents, the LA Rams are also a double-digit favorite this week. They are on the road against the New York Giants, total 48 and a half. Now, the Giants this week, we just don't know what we're going to get out of them because we don't know who's going to be on the field for the New York Giants this week. Of course, Daniel Jones suffered that concussion last week against the Dallas Cowboys. It was a close game up until then, but then, I mean, he went down and he started wobbling when he tried to get back up. It was really ugly. They held him out for the rest of the game. It was Mike Glennon, a quarterback, the rest of the way, and things were extremely ugly for the Giants in the rest of that game. Saquon Barkley suffering an ankle injury as well, and a ton of wide receivers on the injury report. You're looking at Galladay, Slayton, and Kadarius Toney all on the injury report for the Giants as questionable this week. So you might have a backup quarterback, although the team has said that Jones is on track to recover. I don't really know what that means. Is he going to play or not? We will find out. But you have the potential here for a backup quarterback and a bunch of reserve wide receivers. Oh, by the way, your number two overall draft pick running back from a few years ago might not play either. It's a disaster for the Giants this week as they take on the Rams, who, by the way, are gaining over a nine yards per pass attempt from Matthew Stafford. They have been incredible through the air. The Giants, by the way, have been also. They're one of the top ten teams in the league in terms of yards per attempt, airing the ball out in the passing game. The problem is we don't know if it's going to be Daniel Jones passing the ball this week for the New York Giants. So for me, it is going to be a pass as I need some information who's going to be on the field for the Giants. Rams defense, very good, no matter who is playing for the Giants. But, you know, just a general rule in NFL betting, you like to have an idea of who is going to see the field for one team or the other before you start making your bets. And that is certainly the case here for the New York Giants. Next, let's go to Washington, where the Washington football team is going to host the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs, a six and a half point favorite, total 56 and a half. And the question here is, can the Kansas City Chiefs stop anybody? And last week, kind of a bad example when you say, can they stop anybody? Because they did face the Buffalo Bills, one of the most dynamic teams in the NFL on both sides of the ball. You don't necessarily hate them for not getting the job done in that game. Although, my goodness, the Chiefs, that is the worst you've seen them look in quite a while. They're blown out, beaten in all phases of the game by Buffalo. But I'm not sure that they can stop Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team either. The Chiefs are allowing 7.1 yards per play now this season. No other team in the league is allowing more than six and a half. And that's the Detroit Lions, who, by the way, are the Detroit Lions. The Kansas City Chiefs have been in the Super Bowl the last two years. This is not supposed to be happening, but... That's what it is right now for the Chiefs. They're going to put up a lot of points with Patrick Mahomes. They're also going to give up a lot of points with a defense that has simply struggled to function. Some question marks for the Washington football team offense here. Antonio Gibson, Curtis Samuel, questionable. But I'm not sure it matters. I think you can just plug and play guys and score right now against this Kansas City team. Washington kind of average on both sides of the ball. They're going to give up plenty of points to KC, too, in my opinion. I mean, they gave up a ton of points to teams like the Giants and the Atlanta Falcons earlier this year. They're going to give up their share of points, but I think it is certainly possible 
that the Chiefs give up enough points for the Washington football team to cover the spread. I would lean toward the football team here at home against the Kansas City team that until I see them get a few stops, I just simply cannot justify backing as a favorite at this point in time. I mean, that just seems absurd to me. We'll move on now to another marquee game on the schedule for this week. I'm talking about the Arizona Cardinals and the Cleveland Browns. Total 49 and a half. Cardinals a three-point road underdog. And I love this game because it is such a nice contrast in styles on the offensive side of the ball for each team. You look at the Arizona Cardinals. They've been high-flying this year. Kyler Murray throwing the ball wherever he wants on the field. This season, the Cleveland Browns, on the other hand, number one in the league in terms of their yards per carry average this season. Teams simply cannot stop the run against the Cleveland Browns. Both of these teams, despite their very different styles of play, actually, tied for six in the NFL, averaging 6.3 yards per play on the season. But where this game gets interesting to me is the matchup between the Cleveland Browns running game and the Arizona Cardinals run defense. The run defense for the Cardinals so far this season, third worst in the NFL. They're giving up 5.4 yards per carry. It just so happens the Cleveland Browns gaining 5.4 yards per carry when they run the football on offense. That does not bode well for the Arizona Cardinals. However, Cleveland, not an elite pass defense, could very well give up plenty of points to the Cardinals as well, as we just saw last week when the Browns gave up 47 points in a losing effort to the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert. The difference here for me, Cleveland going to be at home this game. You would expect a better defensive performance from them. I also just think you look at this line, and it's three points the Browns are favored by. You have a 5-0 and team in the Arizona Cardinals just flying high. I mean, they're crushing teams right now. They are looking excellent mostly on the offensive side of the ball. They've had a couple of hiccups on defense, but the defense has been pretty solid as well. They look good against Trey Lance last week and the Niners. But you have to think, why is this undefeated team an underdog, even if it's just by a field goal? The Cleveland Browns at home, I think it's a very good situation for them, especially given the really favorable matchup that their running game has against the run defense of the Arizona Cardinals. The Browns are a team that I would certainly back in the spot. Of course, I backed them against another team that has a terrible run defense last week in the Chargers, and I got burned. But I think them being at home will certainly help their defense at least slow down Kyler Murray. And I think if there's a team that's going to play keep away from Kyler Murray, it's going to be the Cleveland Browns running the ball and grinding down the clock. So give me the Cleveland Browns in this scenario. They are certainly my favorite play of the week based off of what we've seen from the run defense of the Cardinals and the running game of the Cleveland Browns. Now let's get into the late afternoon slate here, folks, and we're going to go out to the AFC West once again. We're going to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders, three and a half point underdogs, taking on the Denver Broncos. Over-under in this game is set at 44. Both of these teams very even so far this year statistically, and some question marks about the way they've both gotten there. Uh, You know, the really weak schedule at the beginning of the season for the Denver Broncos really kind of goosed their numbers early on, whereas the Raiders, they also got off to a 3-0 start and have since dropped their last two games. I just don't know what to make of the John Gruden situation and its effects 
on the Las Vegas Raiders heading into this game. First of all, who sends emails about their boss's boss? Just do what everybody else does and whine about him in the break room and hope he doesn't come around the corner and overhear what you're saying. I mean, that's just a, that's a real real 20th century decision there made by John Gruden, aside from all the problematic stuff that was in those emails. But beyond that, you have to wonder what the team chemistry is like right now. Or or is this team going to rally around itself in light of the Gruden situation? There are a lot of players who fall into some of the groups that John Gruden mentioned in those emails that might have an issue with what happened and, you know, how will they react to that sort of thing? There's just a lot of question marks on that side. And on the Broncos side, a lot of question marks with them as well, because now you're at a point where at three and two, we haven't seen them beat a team better than the Jets, Giants, or Jaguars this season. Just a lot of question marks on both sides. An ugly situation for the Raiders. I mean, you just you hate to see the team suffer because of the decisions of one person. And it's very possible that that's what could happen here. I would lean the Broncos just because they are at home and because of all the issues with the coaching of the Raiders, such as who's coaching the team and making what decisions and things like that. It's going to be new to them. So I, I would lean the Broncos, but it's a game that I really want nothing to do with. It really is a weird game in that you kind of want to just sit back and watch and see what unfolds with Las Vegas before you make any further judgments on that team. And we are zipping right through these, these games today on the GBI show. Love to see it. And we are going to talk about one of the 425 p.m. games, kind of the national TV game of the week on Sunday in the late afternoon window now. We're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys taking on the New England Patriots. The Cowboys, a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in this game, over under 51. And I lean toward the under in this game more than anything. I can't rely on the New England Patriots as a side, even as a slight underdog in this game. Uh, They have just, they have not been convincing on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't like Mac Jones throwing to a defense that has been kind of ball hawkish the way that the Cowboys have been. I, I just don't think that's a good recipe, but I also don't think that the Cowboys offense is going to fly as high as it has been over the last few games. You got to remember the Cowboys, after going on the road the first two games of the season, they've played three straight at home. They're going back on the road to Foxborough to take on the greatest game planner in the history of the sport in Bill Belichick. Those things typically don't add up to a good ending for a team. But you also have to remember the Cowboys, they've played very well on the road so far this year. They went toe-to-toe with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, almost beat them outright. It was a little bit of Brady magic at the end that set up a game-winning field goal in the final seconds to cost the Cowboys that game. You also had them beating the Los Angeles Chargers outright on the road, a win that has aged very well based off the fact that the Chargers haven't lost a game since then. But the Cowboys playing three three straight home games after that and then going to New England, I don't love that recipe for them. I don't trust Mac Jones. I would lean the under here. I just think... The New England Patriots right now, an under team, four and one to the under so far this season. Cowboys, one and four to the under, meaning that the overs hit in four of their five games. But I think with them being on the road here for the first time in nearly a month, you see a situation where I think New England is kind of going to take over the identity of this game and the tempo of this game. I think the Cowboys pull it out in the end, but I do think it's a game where we are going to see it go under the total of 41 
incredible, incredible quarterback play from Dak Prescott this year. But again, a lot of it at home. And you look at the road games, Tampa Bay hasn't been great defensively this year. And we just watched the Chargers give up 42 points in a win. So not extremely impressed with the defensive intensity of that Chargers team either. I think we're going to see Dak Prescott come back down earth a little bit just for one game before he resumes his MVP candidate level. I'm not going to say his MVP level, MVP candidate level so far this season in a future game. Let's go to Sunday Night Football now, folks, here on the GBI show. And we're going to talk about the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Five and a half point dogs are the Seahawks, total 42 and a half. And of course, the story in this game is Russell Wilson not being available for the Seahawks. It's going to be Geno Smith because of the injury that Wilson suffered last week on Thursday Night Football in the divisional matchup against the LA Rams. You also have some very significant names on the injury report this week for the Seahawks. Bobby Wagner, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson, all questionable heading into this game for the Seahawks. And of course, the Steelers dealing with their own issues. Juju Smith-Schuster out for the season. James Washington and Chase Claypool in the receiving core, both questionable. It is a weird, weird game here. As these two teams, normally ones you'd expect to light up the scoreboard, and we could see a very low-scoring game in this contest. It's a complete stay away for me, and I will tell you why. Uh, yes, the Seahawks with Geno Smith, I do not expect much from them on the offensive side of the ball. That is to say the least. I'm putting it lightly there. He looked good for one drive against the Rams, but then he kind of reverted into being Geno Smith at the end of that ball game. But I just do not see much in that offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They did beat the Broncos last week, but I guess the Broncos are just, they've gone full fraud mode here after winning their first three against, you know, Big Ten caliber opponents in the Jets, Giants, and Jaguars. They did beat them, but they've struggled offensively for a lot of the season. And you know there's going to be a real sense of urgency from that Seattle defense as they know, listen, we got to get stop after stop if our team wants any chance to win this game. Just a complete downgraded quarterback position for the Seahawks, though. Russell Wilson was number one in the NFL, averaging nine and a half yards per pass attempt. Seattle was one of four teams averaging six and a half yards of play or better. That stuff's all going to fall off the cliff now with Geno Smith as the quarterback. The question is, can the Steelers do enough to cover what's become a pretty sizable number? I would, If I had to choose, I would say yes, just because Geno Smith is going to be playing four full quarters of NFL football, which is not a good recipe for the team that is employing him to do so but I am not staking it on washed Ben Roethlisberger, to say the least. Now we'll go to Monday Night Football. Bills and Titans is going to close us out here on the GBI show. Bills a five-and-a-half point favorite. Total for the game is 54. Last week, the Bills coming off of the best game they're going to play all season on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs, just demolishing Patrick Mahomes and company, whereas the Titans beat up on the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. And this is a game where everything is saying that you should take the Bills because of how well they played, right? The Bills with the best point differential in the league this season, they are the only team with a triple-digit point differential so far this season. And by the way, even if you took away their 40 to nothing victory over the Houston Texans, they would still have 
the best point differential in the NFL. That is how good the Buffalo Bills have been this season. And the defense of the Titans is not going to make it easy on Tennessee if they want to mount a serious upset bid in this game. You look at the defense of the Titans. They're allowing nearly two yards per play more than the Buffalo Bills this year. Of course, the Bills, number one in the league in yards per play allowed, averaging 4.3 yards per play conceded. It's incredible. They're a half yard better than the second best team in the league in that regard. And that's after playing Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's incredibly impressive what this team in Buffalo has done on both sides of the ball. Josh Allen, he is now firmly entrenched in the MVP conversation. Of course, before the season, we were telling you 10 to 1, Josh Allen, think about it. And if you did, you got a lot of value because he's down to around 5 to 1 now. And if they keep playing the way they've been playing, he will certainly continue to see his odds drop for that award. Everything is pointing to the Bills in this game. But of course, when that's the case, A, you wonder why the line's not bigger. And you think, okay, maybe something's a little fishy in this game. And you know that the Titans will try to keep the ball out of the hands of that Bills juggernaut offense by feeding Derrick Henry time and time again. We'll see if it works. I'm staying off this game personally, but I will have a big old tub of popcorn and a frosty beverage of one kind or another as I sit and watch the Buffalo Bills, who have been appointment television so far in the NFL this year. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our look at week six in the NFL. My favorite play on the board this week would have to be the Cleveland Browns as a three-point favorite against the Arizona Cardinals. I haven't locked it in yet. I am thinking about it. If I can see a two and a half, I will certainly act accordingly. But for now, nothing official. I do think the Browns, if they stay at three or if that number drops, will certainly be worth locking in as we get closer to game time. Of course, if you want more on week six of the NFL season, whether you want previews, predictions, opinions, if you want to know what the best sports book offers are on these games. We got people that do that as well. ATS.io is going to be the place where you can get all of that information and a whole lot more. Got previews of the UFC card coming up this weekend. The WNBA Finals is being covered. The tennis tournament at Indian Wells. The Masters 1000 on the men's side. We're covering that in exhaustive detail. Major League Baseball playoffs. NBA season starts next week. We're going to have that covered as well. We've got it all covered. The NHL, too. Yeah, hockey's a sport. Much to my chagrin, hockey is a sport, and we do cover it as well at ATS. All of that and a whole lot more. You do not want to miss it. Until next time, Jay Sannon saying see you later. Thank you for watching the GBI show, and we will see you right here next Thursday.